Choir, that was wonderful. Y'all tried out all the songs from that, and that was about all were in there. That was good. That was good. Oh, it's good to see you today. Remember, we're in camp meeting. That's why they don't have on robes, and we just said, be comfortable. The music's a little more of the service during this month, and we're enjoying that together. And I'm sharing you some uh, news about a trail walk, but always connecting that very much to the scriptures and what it has to say to us. Jonathan read to you some closing verses of Paul's life. And he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering. I fought the good fight, finished the race. I have remained faithful. Now, Paul is uh, not saying I quit. Instead, he is in prison in Rome. As in Rome, and he knows that he is under a death sentence and doesn't know what day it's going to happen on, but he's not going to be a freed man to Rome to do more things that he wanted to do, and he acknowledges that and writes these closing words for us. You know, the word through is connected to the word hiker. It's meant to be to describe a person who plans to walk that trail from one end to the other in the same calendar year. And when you're walking on the trail and you meet people, it's quite common for you to ask someone, are you a thru-hiker? Because there are a lot of people walking that are not, such as me. Some walking a section, some for a weekend, maybe the day, and even some trail runners nowadays, which is a crazy thought in itself, but that's what you see out there. But every once in a while, i got to ask them, are you a thru-hiker? And, you know, with a lot of pride, a lot of them will say, yes, I am. And I just kind of wondered at what point... You really know you are. And does it mean because someone standing on the very uh, start of the trail, either end can be a start, standing on the start of the trail, and you say, I plan to walk the whole trail, does that in fact make you a through hiker? Sort of like I think about the Christian faith, when you and I are receiving our baptism, we are confirming our faith, we uh, let the world know of our commitment to Christ, in that moment are we a through Christian? Is it done? And you and I both know, all know the answer to that, that you're, you're on a, certainly a starting point to it, and, and there's a journey to be taken, but at one point, does that through connection happen? You know, about uh, 25, 30 miles into the hike, when the first uh, road with an opportunity for someone to quit that trail, about 25% of those who started quit. I mean, 25 miles into that thing, that is one hundredth of the way they go, no more. That's it. Now, you know they are not a thru-hiker, right? They only went 26 miles and they reached the road and somebody came and got them and they went home. When you go on to a hundred miles, coming down to the next large town, another 15% drop off, so 40% of the crowd is gone within a hundred miles. They're not thru-hikers, are they? Does that mean the 60% who are still on the trail are they through hikers? Well, I don't know. What point does that term really fit you? By mile 500, you're down to no more than 40% of the crowd. 500 miles, just about one-fourth into it, three-fourths have said, that's enough. And they quit. Then it leaves that 25% that's left over. Out of that group, Estimated each year, about 20% of the total normally finishes. Say if 2,000 start, 200 will complete the trail. At what point do you become a real thru-hiker? I met someone this time on the trail who had already completed 1,600 miles, and 
Normally, I see him on the, I've seen him on the southern end just you know, getting going. And this guy is only 600 miles from the end. He said, I will call myself a thru-hiker when I see the finish. That's when I'll call myself one. And I thought, that's us, isn't it? That's really what we are in our journey. We're people like Paul who are on a journey, but we're not quite sure where the finish is yet. What is it that God has in mind? And we know that people start out as through hikers, but oftentimes they quit. And let me tell you some of the major reasons, because I think there's connections to why people sometimes back away from the faith. First is, a lot of folks will get to that 25-mile marker, and the first road, and they will quit saying, it is not what I thought it was. That means they had read magazines, they had heard these great testimonials about, oh, it is a great experience to go walk on the trail, da-da-da-da-da. No one ever told them about sweating and about carrying a heavy weight and about their feet being sore and about how bad you smell and other things like that. They just thought It is going to be a grand and glorious experience. And 26 miles later, it is not what I thought it was. And they get off. I wonder if somewhere in our journey as Christians, we are told maybe not clearly what the journey is about. And we start it. Maybe we wander in the church on our own or a friend brings us and we begin to see something of the joy in the Christian life and other people, we assure it's for us. But then we find out it is not as simple as it looks. It's not always as easy. It's not a walk in the park, if you'd say. It requires effort. And it's not always going to be pleasant. And some would look at it and say, it's not what I thought it was. And so, they walk back away. Sitting here tells me that many of you have seen it long enough that you're understanding more of what it is. It's not as simple as that first commitment to Christ, and we think from then on it is a walk through the fields and seeing the flowers, and it's all easy, but we know... It is a lifetime journey, and like other journeys, it has its easy and difficult parts. Some people, about that 100th mile marker, will come to the conclusion that I'm quitting because it is simply too difficult. I'm either not physically capable of doing it, we think, haven't really quite gotten into the groove of it in the shape, or the weather's been too bad, or you haven't met the right people that you can enjoy being with. And so uh, that 100-mile marker, they come to the conclusion, is simply more difficult than I thought. And I really believe that's true in the Christian walk. If we are told at the beginning it is a uh, guaranteed experience of joy and prosperity and peace, and we find out while there is peace in it, And there are different kinds of prosperity that is not at all a great description of the Christian faith. It is, in fact, a great sacrifice. It is also worth all the journey that's asked of us, but we may not know that at that stage. And some come in for a while, they see what the church is doing, they find out what's being asked of them, and they think, just too difficult. But that's not you. Because after all, you're sitting here, and I know I know that you're looking forward the next week when you see what this church does, and you see the many tasks and ministries at the end, you can walk up to the table and you can say, that might be mine. I know it's not too difficult because God wants His people to be about it. So watch out. There's a way that you can connect to it. Some quit, 
simply because it's too difficult. Others get on the trail and they walk about a week or two or a month and they get to missing life so much. They miss family. They miss the routines that were a part of their every day. And they simply can't stand it any longer. And so they look for that out. That trail town, that crossroad, that way of getting back home. And they simply say, it's not worth it. I miss it too much. Now begin to think about when you come inside the church life, are there things we're meant to put away? And of course, you know, like I do, the answer is yes. That being a Christian calls a particular kind of lifestyle, if you would. We look to the Scriptures for guidance. We know that there are popular practices in our culture that do not fit the Christian life. And you're supposed to step outside of that. If you're going to be faithful to Him, if it's already been a part of your life, you may miss it. But at the same time, you know that God gives us a greater joy. He gives us an opportunity for life to have a power in it that makes up for many things that we would miss. John Mark, that is the author of the book of Mark, used to be a, uh, to travel with Apostle Paul on his journeys. And uh, at one point, he got uh, lonely. He got tired of being away from home. He was a, a very young man, and he simply told Paul, no more. I, I got to go home. And he quit the team. Well, having been at home for a while, kind of renewed with family, Mark decided that he wanted to go back and join Paul again. And he got back there, and there's Paul, and Barnabas is also traveling with them, and, and another person named Silas. And, and John Mark comes back wanting to join them, and Paul would not let him. Paul decided, you know, people are going to know you quit. I don't know if I want you back on my team because you're just going to quit again. You decide you're going to miss home so much you can't stay with me. Now, let's not suppose that Mark's quitting means he quit being a Christian, okay? But let's just say he quit the task that he was committed to. And in the discussion that followed, Paul saying, no, you can't come. And Barnabas, the equal partner with Paul, said, you know, I kind of think he should be here. And they couldn't agree with each other, so they decided to agree to disagree. At that point, Paul and Silas went off to be missionaries together, and Barnabas took Mark with him, and they continued a different journey as missionaries. Sometimes. Sometimes we struggle with our continuity, that staying on task, and there may be times we have pulled away. But I see you here now, and I know that you're not at that point. You're, you're present in the church, but it may come along again where you, you say, you know, it's, it's been good, but I, I miss things, and I want to be about those. And someone in our heart, what's here, has to become important. It has to be needed in who we are, and when we do, we'll not want to miss it. Not want to miss the opportunity of worship and of service as a Christian. And whatever God desires of us, because He loves us that much. Now, there are other reasons that people live the trail that are not in their own control. The, the first young man I walked with, remember that first time I walked with a guy half my age, told you about that? It's really not smart to do. Well, I did that, and his name was Nathan. And Nathan began that year to be a thru-hiker. His wife let him do it. They were married a couple of years, and she was a teacher, and he uh, got approval for his job to take off the time. And, and so in the springtime, he got to going, and, and about six weeks, eight weeks into his walk, his wife lets him know that she is now pregnant. 
expecting their first child. And she said to him, you just stay out there on the trail. Not. That just wasn't going to happen. I mean, for about another week or so, I think he was out there and he kind of struggled over that, calling her each day to see how she was doing. And he did the smart thing, didn't he? Didn't he? He came home and said, I can get to that later. You've got to be a dad now. And, and he stopped it because something more important took its priority. I'm thankful that people sometimes see it that way. What is it that's most important? Paul said, I have finished the race. He didn't say, I quit the race. He said, I finished it. I believe, first of all, you cannot finish a race that you do not start. I do not believe that we accidentally become Christians. I do know that you can kind of wander into church wondering what it's about. And that may seem accidental, but I think that has an intentionalness about it too. That you wander in and discover some things and say, hey, that's kind of for me and learn more. But there's some people who simply quit. And some people don't see where the start is at. If you happen to want to walk the Appalachian Trail, I promise you, you cannot start on either end of that trail accidentally. Because to get to the ends, you literally have to walk on top of a mountain. They don't start beside a road. They don't start in a nice low area that you can drive up near to. Instead, you have to go up on some kind of approach trail that's seven or miles longer and not very easy. So you go because you want to start. I believe we have to want to start the journey as our Christian faith. And, and God takes us in and gives us resources. We grow in what it means. It's not always easy, but He helps us to it. You have to reach the finish line to actually be a thru-hiker. You have to get there. Paul finished the race because... He had lived through his life to the end. He didn't say, I quit. Paul didn't realize all of his dreams in his ministry. When he wrote to the Romans, he wrote that I'm coming to you on the way to Spain, if the Lord lets me. He wanted to go to Spain and preach the gospel on the other side of the Roman Empire as they knew it. He never reached there as we know, but he had that goal in mind and he simply came to this point and knew that he wasn't going to get that opportunity. His life was going to end here where he was. And that was going to be it. One thing new on this journey for me is that I met two groups of thru-hikers. You realize that about 80% of the people who plan to walk the trail start in Georgia and walk to Maine. They start sometime about March, some a little earlier. And they arrived where I was 1,600 miles later in the month of July. There's a different group, about 20% of those each year who try to walk it, that started Maine the 1st of June. And they reached where we also were at about the middle of July. So we saw two groups of thru-hikers. Some had gone 600 miles going south. Others who had gone 1,600 miles going north. Let me tell you the difference between them. First of all, the group that was heading north, they had beards about down to here. You know, they had long old scraggly beards. Their skin was a, a dark brown looking because they'd been in the weather now for, oh, about four months. Uh, most of them didn't talk a whole lot. I think they had talked out by now. 
And uh, they would walk long distances every day. They didn't have big smiles that I could tell through those beards. They were just ready for the end. In fact, they told me six weeks. Six weeks and I'm done. They had about 25 miles or more a day they would walk because now no more frills, no more extras. I just want to get to the end. Been out here long enough. Then there was the crowd coming from Maine. They had just gotten over the hardest part of the trail. They were pumped up. I mean, they knew they could do it. They'd already taken on the hard stuff. They were enjoying themselves. They were also walking longer distances, but they would stop and chat with you and chat with you about what they'd been doing. It was interesting. Two people, different places in the same journey. I begin to think about us as Christians and where we are. I often see people who are at the very front end of their walk as Christians who are filled with enthusiasm. They'll tell you about that love of God they've come to know and how their life is made different by it. And they have smiles on their faces and they're glad to come to church and be a part of things and they will invite their neighbors and friends around them because their life has changed. It is different. They remember the change. And they want you to come and walk with them. Then there may be others of us who've been on that journey about, let's say, 70, 80% of your life. And you're not quite sure what the end point is, but it's a lot nearer than it used to be. Understand that, don't you? It's a lot nearer. And you're kind of settling in, you see. And you're now just wondering, I've done about every job there is in the church. If you've done every job in the church, you just raise your hand. If you've done it... Well, some of you say, yeah, you think it. You know, I finally got to all the jobs. I've done them, and wow, what's next? <clears throat> or somewhere, I hope, in those two, we can find a joy about every step. Not just thinking, I'm tired, but finding that God has more. And in that more is the great joy He gives to us. He loves us that much. One last thing. Jennifer Davis, if you read Guidepost magazine, holds the record of being the person who covered the trail the fastest. She already walked it twice. This time she walked it as a supported walker, which meant that each night her husband would meet her. Uh, she would sleep in the bed. She'd get prepared meals, not the stuff you eat on the trail, and didn't have to carry a heavy pack. But she walked that entire 2,180 miles in 46 and a half days. That beat the men's record by 15 days. Now, this is what she said. She said, speed has never been my true goal. What I'm really after are the spiritual lessons that come from the trail, a kind of freedom of the soul, lessons that serve us wherever our life's journey takes us. We are all of us to put on this earth to complete a journey. And fast or slow, for each and every one of us, that journey ends in glory. You hear that? Where the end of the journey is? The end is not a grave. The end is not older age when I simply can't do anything else. The end is glory. The glory of God's presence, of being a part of His kingdom. We begin in it now, but that is 
where the end is found in His glory. Would you pray with me? Our Father, You have seen us in our walk. You know the weariness or the joy in our journey. Give us a lightness in our step and a joy in our carrying forward the love of Christ. Help us to join together in that journey in support, to help one another along, to offer others to join us in the walk that is of Your kingdom and Your making. Guide us as a church. We may be... We may find ourselves open and helping others join us in that same journey. In Christ we pray. Amen. Now the